Welcome back to Pooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. Forgot our tagline for a sec. I'm Jess. I'm Mikey. And we're joined today by two very dear friends of ours, Leslie and Jeff. Say hey. Hello. Hello. They're joining us from Kentucky. Um, and we invited that. So Leslie and I have been very close friends since college. And we invited them on because when Twin Peaks The Return was premiering in 2017, Leslie and Jeff drove all the way up from Louisville so we could have a elaborate theme party. I don't think there was any other reason for that. It was just for the Twin Peaks party, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what I said. What do you? It was for the Twin Peaks party and the adventure of going shopping to try to find a monocle so that Jeff could dress like... Harold the horticulturalist. <sighs> so good at finding a barrette. And, yeah. and that was the first time I met Jeff. <laughs> and we spent all day going store to store looking for a monocle and one of those like gardening three prong gardening rake never things. Never able to remember the name yeah, of because it's got a dumb name. The thing is, Leslie well, and I need some like QT together. Otherwise, we'll drive you both fucking bonkers. So yeah. you just had to be friends. We just demanded it. In yeah. the search, you found a nice stuffed fish. Uh, for the joke of having a percolator. So it was all it, and And found a percolator. It was a dory fish, if I remember correctly. And we tried to give it our dog afterwards. And she was like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> it was for the props, of course, for the photo booth. Mm-hmm. Because we set up a photo booth. Mm-hmm. Because we're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super fun. If Even I can, if the like, show was going, I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. Um, so I think we all dressed up. Mikey dressed up as end of season two Cooper. Right. I dressed up as the man from another place. I think I had the sexiest outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, my bangs were pretty. <laughs> they did a pitch perfect Laura Palmer with the wig. And the home, tiara. Homecoming ro- photo. Yeah. Homecoming photo. Sorry. Our dog is just sitting on the stairs bar- barking into the kitchen. So if you can hear her, that's why. Nobody knows what she's. I think we can see ghosts now because she's been yeah. doing a lot of like staring into the middle distance. Your animals stare at the wall, and it's like, mm. and a lot of people died in this place. So. <laughs> no, uh, oh, or no, didn't die. No, at my hand. Um, <laughs> and Jeff was the Harold the horticulturist. Yeah, which I think we built that costume for you from scratch, huh? Pretty much. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, you ended the game with like suspenders. I think we came up with it like on the drive up. So I still have my Laura Palmer dress in my closet just in case. Just in case of emergency. It's legit. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's ju- well actually before we jump into this episode, we're gonna do an episode recap and talk through it. Um yeah, I, I was gonna say prior to jumping in, I wanna hear like what was your first Twin Peaks experience? Like where do where do you come into the Twin Peaks world? When 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 did you first see it? Have you seen it since? Stuff like that. You wanna start? Yeah, my story is probably simpler than your so my parents were obsessed with Twin Peaks when it was on. And so I always knew about Twin Peaks because my parents were obsessed with it. But I didn't watch it until I wanna say it was like that year. No. I watched it like maybe 2016 or something in the fall. Okay. And then as I was like, re-watch, when we watched this episode, I was like, I, oh, I never finished it. So I watched the first season and I started the second season. And then 
just you had to like like skim through season two right before your party and you just oh that's right because we watched right, the last we watched the finale and yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought we all really out about that I appreciate so oh and Leslie's really dedicated yeah and Jeff um I did the thing that I think a lot of people did where like they got turned out to David Lynch in college and then, <laughs> That, that leads to uh, Twin Peaks. Um, and I think I've watched it all the way through twice, but it's always a very casual viewing. Um, and I feel like my mind is erased every time. So There's a lot about this show that isn't very sticky for some reason. Yeah. Like every, like literally every episode we see, I'm like, oh, Catherine is still in this. Like for some reason, <laughs> I only remember her in season one. And, and like, but she's always like, it's weird because she's always great. Oh my God. She's a joy. And, and it's so funny that you can't remember. Yeah. They all have such basic names too, that I just, I can never, ever remember their names except for Harry mm-hmm. Truman and like Agent Cooper and, you know, like, right. Uh, but yeah, I always have a hard time with that too, but so I've seen it, but I'm just not a um, uh, like master at it. Sure. Um, all right. So we watched the uh, Twin Peaks on Blu-ray or 5K or whatever Mikey has. 5K. 5K? We, wa- we watched it on 5K. I don't fucking know. What is it? <laughs> it's, it's just Blu-ray. There's only two episodes that are, were released in 4K. Oh, 4K. Oh, what an asshole I am. I was one it's number off. What yeah. a dick Jessica is. We're over here blushing for you. Yes. That, was, that was a pretty big goof. <laughs> um, so we watched them on disc, uh, and they feature the Log Lady intros. Are you all familiar with the Log Lady intros at all? I don't think so. So essentially, uh, it's literally the log lady, about 30 second clips at the beginning of every episode. And it's her talking directly to camera, holding her log. And it's like a little mini monologue that Lynch wrote her. Um, In theory, it it might be commenting on the upcoming episode. Sometimes it's... This one's pretty spot on. Yeah, this one's pretty on the nose. Sometimes they're a little vague, but um, I'm going to go ahead and read that now. Um, Because we don't have the audio for it. Okay. A hotel, a nightstand, a drawer pull on the drawer, a drawer pull of a nightstand in the room of a hotel. What could possibly be happening on or in this drawer pull? How many drawer pulls exist in this world? Thousands, maybe millions. What is a drawer pull? (laughs) This, there's more. This drawer pull, why is it featured so prominently in a life or death? In the life, in a life, or in a death of one woman who is caught in a web of power, can a victim of power end in any way connected to a drawer pull? How can this be? <laughs> I've never called it a drawer pull. Like, drawer pull. I've never said that word that many times in a row. It's like yeah. the words, the letters unfolded, and I was like, "What?" Are you talking about? <laughs> so, Leslie, now you were a creative writing major <laughs> where we went to school at Ball State University, were correct? Were you this creative? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take a swing at this? Like, Can you top it? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like some of my poetry, so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, a drawer pull is there, but it's just, it's, it was one of those 
that they're they kind of vary in length long enough that at one point at some point like halfway through this i was like have we been watching this for 25 this, minutes this one, compared to other ones this one is very long and says the least but also like has every single character are you talking about the episode or the monologue oh this episode sorry Oh, are we talking about the monologue? Yeah, no, like just this intro is very long and says very little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about the drawer pull. Yeah. Drawer, drawer pull. It makes that, less okay. sense the more times I say it. Is that the action of pulling a drawer? No, the physical thing. I would call that a knob. I, I don't think it, I even would say that that's a drawer pull. Like, I don't think I've ever heard that referenced as like, that's a Thing. I mean, honestly, I'm not even sure that they're both real words anymore. I've said it so many times. Drawer doesn't sound like a real word. Sorry about the squeaking. Our dog is incorrigible. Okay. Um, but yeah, so this, so what I was surprised about this, uh, this episode is, was written by Trisha Brock. Mm-hmm. She's written a, a few things. Um, and it directed was directed by Leslie Linkerglatter. She's great. Who I like Leslie Linkagladder a lot. However, I would say this particular episode was more misogynistic than one would think an episode written and directed by women would be. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of calling women bitches and whores, huh? Yeah. There's a lot of like old white dudes being like, I own you. And not e- and not even just the bad guys. Not yeah. even just like Hank. Right. It's like Billy Zane, who were supposed to find charming is like super skeevy yeah yeah Uh, i i i saw a picture of you when you were a little girl and i thought you were and oh my god we will get to that because i have thoughts on it yeah and i also did a tiny bit of research and i have a fun revelation about it um okay so we're gonna kick off at the beginning dale cooper and harry s truman listen to a message from Wyndham earl who recorded it for the former he challenges Dale to a deadly chess game, asking him to place his next move in the newspaper. Uh, Pete Martell is called. So do you guys remember how Pete is a chess champion? No, not really. <laughs> he was introduced in the last episode. So um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to the characters. What do you say? Just like get 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 ready that like we're not going to know anything. So. Oh, that's fine. I don't either. Mikey tells me most things. Um, so, okay. So, Pete, do you, so you remember Pete Martell is Catherine Martell's <laughs> wife. Ooh, I can't even keep them straight. Pete is your namesake, um, played by Jack Nance. Yeah. Um, me out of a college class at Ball State to ask me if I was related to Jack Nance. So, and were you? I said no, and that was the end of our interaction. He just walked. Was it a professor or a student? It was a student. He was a very creepy guy. Just checking. Yeah, no, half of our math class or our English class, though. Yeah. Just like creeper okay. dudes. Okay. Um, so he's called to the station to assist them in this chess game. So the idea is um, Wyndham Earl and Cooper are playing this chess game via the newspaper or whatever, and every time. Wyndham takes out one of Dale's, one of Cooper's chess pieces. He kills somebody IRL. So they're trying to get through the, the uh, chess game with as few lost pieces as possible. Okay. Um, Okay. So Martel Pete is called to the station to assist them. But first 
he brings breakfast to Andrew Packard. So Andrew Packard is cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening. Okay, I'm gonna get this. Everybody, shut up. Um, my questions on my list. So okay, so yeah. Andrew Packard, we thought up until recently was Josie Packard's late husband who died tragically and suspiciously in a boating accident. Um, and then he reappears. Um, as he says, I'm alive. <laughs> All creepy and weird in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about that elevator ride. That was 45 minutes long <laughs> <laughs> for a two story. building. Yeah. Um, but what I really liked is when Pete brings Andrew, his breakfast and it's shaped like a little dog and the two of them <laughs> they're having a ball I feel like oh my god it's so cute don't get us wrong it was funny <laughs> honestly next time you guys come up here I'm going to make you guys dog breakfast as long as you like go like <laughs> in case you don't get it yeah. Context clues. Um, they have a laugh due to Pete arranging the food look like a dog. I love Pete. Much to Catherine's annoyance. Pete leaves and Catherine and Andrew, who are siblings, uh, discuss Ghostwood. Who cares about Ghostwood? Don't worry about it, Leslie. Before Josie enters, she sees who her husband, who she thought was dead, and just faints very dramatically. But but carefully. Very carefully, but very like. Yeah, it was very like Victorian oh, pouch, kind of like wrist to the also just carrying forehead. a bundle of sticks. Yeah. Yep, yeah, just a bundle of sticks. <laughs> she's <laughs> her <laughs> Do you remember that she's a maid for Catherine for reasons? I was trying to remember exactly what's going on with that. Well, Jeff tried to convince me, he's like, she's I was like, like, she's dressed like a maid, and he's like, she's not a maid. And I'm, I was very I, I was trying to remember like Catherine's like holding something over her in some way, but I, I couldn't remember what. Like, so Josie is the one who tipped off Andrew that he was that Thomas Eckert, who you see later, was trying to kill Andrew. Okay, so that's how Andrew was able to plan accordingly and not die and pretend he died. Um, Thomas found out about this, so he's coming and she. Josie worked for Thomas. Thomas is coming back to claim Josie again. And Catherine knows about all of that. So if you don't want me to turn you into Thomas, you're going to work for me. Yeah. As a- and has to wear the costume and everything. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's overwrought territory. It's in everything. It's so, so cliche stupid. at this point. <laughs> okay. Um, Hank Jennings. So Hank Jennings is, um, um, Norma Jennings erstwhile husband who was in jail and he stuck on the domino in that horrible way um, he's the one who shot Leo which put him into the comatose state mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah okay so and that to Leslie too Hank goes to Truman's office escorted by Hawk Hawk didn't get a lot of play in this episode um, he is charged with the attempted murder of Leo Johnson Hank proposes a trade, offering information on the murder of Andrew Packard. This is where he offers to be Hank Jennings' witness for the prosecution. (laughs) He was giving it his all this episode. I'm charging you with the attempted murder of Leo Johnson. Ouch. Well, I think it's safe to assume that I was at the diner the night that Leo was plugged. 
Bud, you're welcome to call. I got a witness puts you at the scene with the gun in your hand. Harry, you obviously seem serious about this, so I'm going to propose a trade. How about information leading to the arrest and conviction of Andrew Packard's murderer? Hank Jennings, witness for the prosecution. That is the thing about these like not great episodes is there is there are some big acting swings that I support. <laughs> um, He's a snapper. He was so excited to be a criminal. He's like back at it. Yeah, he, different kind of criminal. Oh, but like with that confidence too, that like it was so I broke parole, big deal. We're friends. We go back, and he's like. You tried to kill a guy and then you fled across the border to can- like I can't just be you, it's not like you got a speeding ticket or something like <laughs> you tried to kill a human like I don't know and something in this episode um Hank made me think of like Joe Bluth of like <laughs> really incompetent but really confident about it mm-hmm. Yeah I, I agree yeah and just like stoked to be on anyone's side who will have him Yeah just has a That's a really good assessment. <laughs> That's solid. Okay, so Hank proposes a trade, offers information on the murder of Andrew Packard, who he not so subtly states to be Josie. Uh, Harry angrily has hawk. <laughs> Which also, if you're proposing a trade to try to like get, <laughs> don't tip your hands. Don't don't give them the information. Yeah. Because <laughs> now I have that information. <laughs> and you. And yeah. Um. <laughs> Harry angrily has Hawk remove Hank from the office. Truman gets some big acting moments in this episode. Oh boy, oh boy. Who leading boy. up to, of course, put her down. <laughs> but, the face acting was very good. Yeah. Um, okay. Which leads in the next episode. Woo-hoo. Brutal. His uh, acting and Albert. Just watch it for yourself if you want to later. I would argue now. Um, <laughs> Albert presents evidence to Cooper that points the finger to Josie. So I'm getting this off twinpeaks.fandom.com. So it's just like somebody wrote this. So sometimes the sentences are not great, but I really have a fun journey with them every time. Okay. Albert presents ballistics evidence to Cooper that point the finger to Josie Packard as the Packard as the person who shot him, him being Cooper. Albert wishes to arrest her, but Cooper delays this. Josie shot Cooper. That's the, that's the yeah. that's the shorter way of that. And Albert and, here, I was and Harry's in the background, face acting because he knows something's up. Was okay. I just need to. I have a grounding question. Uh, Cooper was shot at the end of season one. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And this is episode what sixteen, and we're just just yes. finally getting to like. Yeah. So this is like two weeks, but but at the same time, in Twin Peaks world, this is like two weeks later. Also, he's fully healed. Yeah. yeah, and there was a three-day jump, so it's 16, 17, 18, 19 days later. So, you know how you recover within three weeks of a gunshot yeah. to the torso? He only got shot three times, and two of them went into the vest, so. so. <laughs> um, all right. Audrey goes to the con- concierge desk at the Great Northern Hotel. Um, we got another black actor. Another weeks. black actor. Always We're always excited to see an actor of color in this. Um, I really enjoyed his whole jam because it was like he was the head something concierge concierge. 
And just like his disdain for this young, rich, like daddy's well, girl to be like, oh, you think you can just show up and like yeah. throw people into the rooms? No, 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 little girl. Also, another like you mentioned, misogynistic moment because he talks about like, you think you can just wear a tight sweater and do oh, yeah. She's wearing and a blazer. Like, yeah, and she's not even wearing a sweater, she's wearing a, like a pantsuit. <laughs> like, but also assuming he's he's been there. <laughs> Yeah, like he knows her jam. Yeah, he knows who she is. He knows who she is. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Enter John Justice Jack <sighs> Wheeler for this. All right, Mike is going to top off his wine. Um. And while he's gone, he's not that far away. Leslie, do you have any thoughts on his wig? Yes, I do. Okay, I didn't okay. even see any of it while yeah. we were watching. It's so high. It's, it's very high. high. I would say it's three inches up for like the front curl of it. But I, I loved every bit of it. So it's weird because it looks like plugs. The front of it is just not. It's just yeah. a little weird. I don't even know. It looks very strange, and no hair stands up just in the front for three inches. Yeah. So I think it's funny because everyone kind of just knows who Billy Zane is. Mm-hmm. But why Titanic? Titanic. Like that's what I mean. Is, what's your frame of reference on Billy Zane? Is it Titanic? Titanic. Titanic for everybody. Titanic. I think so. You mean, because like I feel like people knew him. Titanic. Like to me, it's uh, the Phantasm. Like well, you're right. extremely old. Was that like, Titanic or was that after, that was after Titanic? Titanic? Was it? I feel I, like it was. You said that with so much confidence, Leslie. That I thought, I'm gonna fact I thought check Phantasm you. was like, well, shit. What's Titanic is what, 96? 96. I thought Phantasm was like 92, 93. Titanic 97. Phantom is 96. Okay. Phantom, not Phantasm. Right. Phantom. I know what you meant. Yeah. But he's, and like, he's, he's an extra in, he's like one of Biff's gang in the Back to the Future movies. Mm -hmm. He's like, like barely has any lines, if any. And like, I thought that Phantom was like this like gigantic success. Like in yeah. my in my brain as a kid, as a dumb little kid, I thought that he was like a megastar. And so like in my There's two workers wearing purple tights. Yeah. Um still <laughs> still a fan. Um but I I don't know. I, I guess I had no real like knowledge of who he was. He's just always been around. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> about the okay the last thing i ever did on snapchat was care about billy zane and jeff and i would watch billy zane's snaps and they were so good like we kept snapchat for a long time for billy zane just <laughs> like what kinds of th- first of all do you follow kyle mclaughlin on tiktok because i would really recommend it uh, no. but that- i don't have tiktok because i'm 35 and they don't allow me to download it um but like i see people po- like he posts to twitter sometimes and they're always yeah, very he, he funny. blasts his shit to everywhere yeah that's uh, uh, like adorable and more just like very creepy like he he would he would just he obviously travels a lot for work he has uh 162 acting credits so the man works yeah um <laughs> But well, he was, he would, he'd be traveling a lot and he would just play like smooth jazz and just like zoom in on people. Like he was in like Miami and he, he would be like front face camera, him wearing like a weird wig on set and then like 
flip it to the other side and like go through a window and like watch somebody rollerblading down the beach. And it was just like the wildest shit. He also had a video where he was just getting, okay, he's bald, but he was getting his haircut, getting his head shaved. But it was just him in the chair getting his head done. But like playing music loudly from his phone while he's doing it. And just <laughs> just like like showing the person who's cutting his hair like, hey, he's doing a great job. I, for too long. I feel like that's in line with his like late 80s, early 90s career, which was like those movies that are like one step above straight up softcore. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Like, like he, he's in those movies that are like, it's not quite like basic instinct style erotic thriller, but it's a step above like Beverly Hills brothel or whatever. Like, it was made up movie, you know what I mean? Like it's right in between where you're like, yep. Yeah, 12 year old kids are watching this for the boobs. But, yeah. like, it's, but there's layers. But there's some legitimacy to it. Like, I feel like he's in a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yep. And he was just in Lost, right? right now. Yes, that's true. Was he? I think you might be thinking of. Was he in Lost? In Lost? Who am no, I thinking I think, of? You're thinking of Jeff Fahey, I think. Similar career. The guy with the eyeliner? No, that's the different. Uh, I forget that's that guy's not name. Really Jeff Fahey did have very beautiful eyes. But they had similar careers, too. Yeah. Who am I thinking of then? Richard Halpert? Let me look it up. All right. I can't Let's, think of anybody who'd be Lost Billy was, Zane. Lost was definitely Zaneless. Okay. That's what I thought. All right. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm making things up. It's okay. In a Snapchat, and that's it. Billy Zane is. He is creepy in this so scene. Creepy. Like he meets Audrey and is and and at first is like kind of like, uh, you're the concierge and you're kind of treating me like shit, which is yeah, kind of she's a funny being little a bitch. bit. Yeah, that's kind of funny. And but then he's all then he turns it into like, I've got a picture of you. And like doesn't so expand upon that, creepy. just like did, like, like you're supposed to react to that positively. Yeah. Um. So I would like to say that it's later that that um that Audrey says that she's only 18. I did a little research, and in fact, um, uh, what's her name? Who plays Audrey? Sherilyn Finn. Sherilyn Finn is in fact one year older than Billy Zane. <laughs> no way. Interesting. The prestige. <laughs> I was just very excited to share that information because they're both kind of like in that early mid twenties age that yeah. they could play a high schooler or play like a, fo- because Billy Zane is clearly playing like oh a capital God. A adult. Cause he like the way, um, he knows her father. what's that? He's like friends with her father. What? And like, he's talking about his like long storied business career that he's had. Yeah. I'm like, he's 24 with a great And like, about? there's some, there's some legitimacy to that because his whole thing is that he like comes into fledgling bi- businesses, gets them back on their feet and then moves to a different one. And so like sells them off first, well, but like a true Mitt Romney, yeah, but you can you move job to job to job and collect a lot of jobs in a short period of time. Sure. So there's a little bit, but like the whole idea of just like ages in this entire series is so nebulous. Yeah. Like, 
everybody is in high school, but also they're still full grown adults, but also they're working full time. Also they're 40 year old women and they're in high school. And all like, there's all these like weird things where like age just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought time had passed between the two, but clearly no. Cause I was like, Oh, time has passed. And Audrey Horn is now like, Working at the hotel. Yeah, nineteen days. Got it. <laughs> um. Okay. So Audrey is not cooperative with him until she finally looks at him, which she just like gave the other concierge guy guff because she's like, "I can do your fucking job." And then the first, like the first <laughs> person that walks fails. up to the the desk, she's like, "Actually, fuck you." I'm like doing my nails or whatever she's doing. She was really struggling to get a brooch pinned on, like all oh. attention on it. Like, I mean, that's hard to do. I have magnets now, and I feel like they, I feel like they could have taken a better. They could have used a better take of her, like, uh, recognizing that he's a hot dude. Completely agree. She very much is just, like, she stares up, and then her eyes get, like, ever so slightly wider. And, like, but, like the work is all done in, like, Billy Zane coming back. I don't know. It, the work is all done in the background music, which Twin Peaks. The, I, yeah, the music really they, The music it. really tells you what to think about everything. It really holds her hand. <laughs> Was it Billy? You mean like when John Justice Wheeler comes in and it goes, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Zane, I feel like they introduced a new symphony. He's got a, I hate his theme. <laughs> oh, it's very bad. It's almost as bad as the, the like James riding a motorcycle. <laughs> that one's bad. Too. In this episode as well, there was some like, yeah, some, some real choices. It was nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so Jack requests that she has somebody retrieve his luggage, then mentions to her that he has a photo of her from when she was young, which, which I mean, also why his name is John Justice Wheeler. Call me Jack. Why do you, why? Then why do you have to give me all those names, sir? Just introduce introduce yourself as Jack Wheeler. (laughs) Justice. Um, Audrey opens Earl's envelope for her. Oh, so Earl, Wyndham Earl, Wyndham Earl sent out a poem torn up into three strips. Yep. And then sent them to the three hot girls. Yes. Okay. I get. Like, why? Why did these three girls get selected except for that? There are three prominent characters that we don't have anything to do with. Who's Earl? Question. Why? Why did he like uh, Shelly? I get because he's got Leo captive. That's oh, okay. her husband. That one plays. There's some rationale there. Mm-hmm. Why Audrey? Why um, Donna? I don't Donna. Remember this guy and his motivation at all? So because you never saw him. Okay. Yeah. He's just introduced like two episodes prior. Okay. Um, and he, he, okay. So he was, uh, Cooper's former partner. Oh, okay. Cooper was in love with this woman who died in front of him because of, of at least a self-perceived failing on his own part to protect her. That woman, because that woman was trying to rat out or knew it had information on, um, criminal activity by Wyndham Earl. So I, the, the idea is Wyndham Earl killed his wife, Caroline, and Caroline is who Cooper was in love with. 
So Cooper was in love with Windermere's wife. And he was supposed to be like bodyguard. And he was supposed to be, yeah, protecting her. And she died and he failed her. And he, that's his big regret. And he holds Mm -hmm. that. And then Windermere blames Cooper for that. And Windermere went full on cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Got it. Um, he's a he's a, an interesting character. I feel mm-hmm. like they don't they they don't do him justice directorially because every director who comes in episode by episode gives him kind of a new right I, approach right. But on paper, I think he's a really really good character. So Audrey opens the envelope containing a section of the poem and requests her to be at the roadhouse at a certain time. Um, okay, then we go back to, do we go to Big Ed's house? Does this breakup happen in the house? In his house? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because he's, and he's, it starts with him, like, dusting the shelf with all the, like, trinkets on it. Oh, yeah. So, this family is really into the Norma and Big Ed love story. We're just, like, really emotionally invested in it. Um, Norma's the... Norma's the best. Norma. The best. Norma. Um... And so this whole scene when Nadine comes in and does her little monologue about a, how she's fucking a high schooler, which like we'll talk about later, I guess. That's great. Charges later. Um, That's so fucked. Anyway. um, So Nadine admits to Ed that she and Mike are in love. And so she is breaking up with Ed. Eddie, we have to talk. And it's very wholesome and very sweet. Her the shot of Nadine was very strange because you could sort of see up her <laughs> yeah, eye patch. She wasn't and I, thought, eye patch, right? I noticed that too. It was very weird. Um, okay. Now we are back to the station house. Cooper questions Josie about Jonathan's murder. Don't worry about Jonathan, Leslie, doesn't matter. Which she insists. He was the quote unquote Asian man killed. That was a headline in a newspaper that was featured twice in this show on two separate episodes. Yeah. Okay. Asian man killed yeah. exclamation point exclamation point. That was the newspaper headline. That's a string throughout this, like of the entire show. That's one that I remember the most. And uh, it's, it's a real uh, Nikki and Paolo situation. <laughs> <laughs> we Nikki and Paolo came up last week with another guest. This is the guest. second episode in a row that Nikki and Paolo came up <laughs> that we didn't bring it up um adel refai who's on hello from the magic tavern he's a podcaster anyway he guested on this show and we were comparing it to lost because it's <laughs> it feels like a very similar experience for a lot of people 
And we were talking, Mikey and I were talking about like the thing with Twin Peaks is you, there's a lot of characters that don't get a lot of love. <laughs> and Adam was like, well, you know how Nikki and Paolo are like the heart and soul of love. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, so, so I guess I haven't said this for this podcast. Um, Mikey and I decided to watch Lost throughout quarantine and Jeff and Leslie happened to decide to do it at the same time. And so we started recording season recap episodes together like this and they would a go on for three fucking hours because, yeah. because i thought we the four of us could get through a season of show in like an hour and a half but anyway those would go on we cannot go for three hours tonight it's already past his bedtime i can tell leslie was literally falling asleep toward the end of those recordings and i would try to cut him off she goes we all no I just, I think we took turns. It was mostly me shutting down, but. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to power through this. Um, Jonathan's murder. She insists she has no involvement in it. Who cares? Catherine is eavesdropping because it's all Catherine does. But like in front of like giant window slats, like three feet away. And so it's like blatantly obvious I that there's her. someone standing there listening, but I love her so still. Much. Um. Cooper requests that Josie be at the sheriff's station at nine o'clock. And but at the end of that scene, she comes out and she's like, I saw Cooper leaving. What, was this a personal call? <laughs> so good. And I feel like <laughs> who consistently gets what's going on here. Like everything she does is cranked up so high and it makes me yeah. so incredibly happy every time. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Cooper requests that Josie be at the shares by nine o'clock and then leaves before Catherine reveals herself to Josie. They discuss Josie meeting with Thomas, Thomas Eckert and Catherine and Catherine reveals a pistol for her. So every single episode, I have to be reminded who Thomas Eckert is because it won't stick in my head. Every episode. Yeah. Do you need to be reminded again? Cause I explained it at the start of this episode. Yeah. Okay. No, I remember. <laughs> Leslie Leslie probably needs it. Thomas Eckert was is trying to get Josie back to work for him. Oh. What? Um, he's the one who tried to have Andrew Packard killed. Oh. And so right now, Catherine is trying to get Josie to kill Thomas. Josie to kill her husband. No. No. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, Thomas Eckert. No, it's not her husband. Right. Yes, got it, got it, got it, got it. So be for, for trying to kill her brother, Andrew. Gotcha. Okay. Was the guy who played Thomas the bad guy in Richie Rich? <sighs> Probably. I think so. God, that was one of those movies I used to watch on repeat as a kid. I bet it holds up real well. Yeah. yeah and you'd probably recognize Andrew Packard as the guy who plays the bad guy in Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. It's true. Silver Hamrock. Yeah. <laughs> Watch that this year for reasons. Um, Not familiar, but yeah, I'm thinking about Richie Rich. How it probably wouldn't like my 35 year old like anti capitalism jam would not mesh with it being like this was the richest baby in the world and he had golden cradles and uh, like uh, that's that's why we like Kevin McAllister. The height of luxury was a. Large cheese pizza. Yeah, that big. Also Kevin McAllister. Oh no, 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 it was was also Macaulay Culkin. Is that why he did that joke? Oh, Sorry, my no, mom didn't know that. I thought, yeah, I, Macaulay Culkin played them both. I thought Richie Rich was the kid who played Dennis and Menace. 
he he was not the bad guy in Richie Rich. Oh. Uh, so we've just been talking about Richie Rich for five minutes for no reason, like idiots. Uh, yep. He's <laughs> in some kids' movie. Was it Dennis the Menace? Oh my is he god! Dennis? Hold what on. What is it? Or was he the menace? Loading. Um. What's the guy's name, by the way? I can't remember. The actor? Yeah. Oh my god, he was. Oh my god. Oh my god, he was in David Warner. He was Billy Zane's henchman in the Titanic. He stole. No. This is probably where they met. Bitch. Interesting. Okay, so we are back at the Great Northern. Where Ben? Oh, you guys! You guys are just coming in after Ooh. the whole Confederate soldier plotline. So sorry about that. <laughs> God, I wish I got a shot. <laughs> yeah, Ben. Ben lost everything in the whole ghost would say it's all of his his whatever. All of his dealings went to shit. He lost everything and then went bonkers and thought he was General Lee and tried to have the South. He was kept reenacting the civil war to a point where once the South could win the civil war, he could snap out of it and get his life back in order. So now he's getting his life back in order and he's going healthy, which is why he's wearing a track suit. Celery the whole time. Okay. Which is to swap out for his cigars. He had been smoking cigars, which I actually thought was a pretty clever choice of like, cause there were also, he had these like big old cigars, Mm -hmm. big long cigars that like, that's kind of a perfect, you can be emphatic with it and stuff. Yeah. And then they've got him in like the, the workout clothes. So he's yeah. not right. It's, it was an interesting choice, yeah. Okay. which is why also when he starts to explain how he's obsessed with the pine wheels, you're like, Oh, he's plunging into just else. lost it. And now it's something else. And then you realize like, Oh no, he actually has a, you know, capitalist approach of how what he's doing is to try to get his life back, try to get all his money and his fortune and everything back. So Ben, Bobby, Jerry, Audrey, and Jack have a meeting where Ben reveals the stop Ghostwood campaign, which he with, with which he plans to stop the Ghostwood development project and the name of the endangered pine weasel. So good. Um, I really liked that drawing a lot. I would put that up in my house's art. It was cool. Yeah. Um, Okay, here we go. Back to the Double R Diner. Earl leaves an envelope for Shelly as Norma talks on the phone with her sister, Annie, uh, who's coming to visit Twin Peaks after leaving a convent. Norma finds the envelope, gives it to Shelly. It contains another portion of that poem and a request to meet at the roadhouse. Ed then comes in and embraces Norma and he proposes to her and I just want them to be. And it's only, it's such a great moment and it's only enhanced by the way Shelly reacts to it. As she's like, I'm going to give you space and come back to the kitchen. I'm so excited for you too. All of, all of it is just absolutely adorable. Basically, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's, any scenes that take place in the double R that I absolutely think are dumb. Mm, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm like, I'm sure like there's some dumb stuff with like James and Maddie and whatever, but what about, um, what about what's his face's cool karate kicks? (laughs) (laughs) At one point, Hank fights off an intruder with some neat karate kicks. That's after hours. Doesn't count. That, that, (laughs) 
<laughs> That's after hours. After hours. <laughs> I meant I meant double R diner scenes that take place during business hours. Oh yeah, I can't obviously. believe I didn't make that logical step. <laughs> um. So anyway, at Enorma, he proposes to her, and they kissed, and it's perfect, and they love each other so much. Are you okay, Leslie? No, that, I don't know why that was she, just very funny to me. She got what, what, by that. <laughs> it was a good fit that you guys. Did. What the karate kicks thing? Just the, the double R after dark. I just thought it was very funny. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay, Leo. Car- is carving arrows for Earl, who comes to check. Other way his- around, but yeah. Leo carves. No, Leo is carving the arrows. Oh right, he was carving. You're right, he was carving the sticks. But then, quickly. but then, um, Wyndham Earl is the one who's putting the the blades on because he like oh. cuts his finger. And actually, like it's possibly one of the best acting moments for Leo in the series to me. You think? There's I- a moment of when. When Winnerald's putting the blade on the stick and he kind of cuts himself and he's ooh, whatever. And the look on Leo's face is like, oh, I see that blade. That's a weapon. I can use that to get out of here. And you mm-hmm. can see all of it on his face. And I've never seen him emote like that in this entire series. Well, normally he's the absolute 100% worst actor in the entire series. Right. So Did you know that, just that his aunt or something is the casting director? What? Yeah. He's the nephew of Joanna Ray. Who oh, like, well, that checks out then. Okay. Every time in my head, I just, whenever he shows up on anything, I'm just like, no shoes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and he, he's just one note, big, bad villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this moment, there's like, he's kind of smiling, but is still playing that vegetative. Like, he does all of that is in his eyes and his face, and I've never seen that in the entire series. That was, that was his audition scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Hank is in the prison cell. Um, he's at the sheriff's station. Norma comes in and asks for a divorce. Um, and he is a real big asshole. And like, there has to be something about how he like blackmails her into getting a divorce. There has or to be tries to, or there has to be like something that she can like go into the cops and be like, "He's trying to blackmail me." And, and basically, yeah. what he does. Oh, oh, she? Yeah, he just came in and tried to do that shit with us too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know that game. Like, like she doesn't say no. Like she doesn't go to the cops, but she's just like no. Yeah. Like for the first time, she isn't afraid of him anymore, and. Because she like, has the love of Well, it's eyes. true. Love, like, it, it's, like, protecting her in this way that, like, she's so strong. And it's like, no, you're being ridiculous. Don't don't try to put this on me. No, I'm not going to go to bat for you anymore. I gave you a second chance. You fucked it up. Like, it's it's just a moment of Norma being even better than she was, which is already great. Like, she's just such a strong, powerful, wonderful, sweet person. That's so nice. Uh, and he grabs that. How do you feel about and protects you? No, I, if Big Ed loved me, that would be different. <laughs> Big Ed's love is truly powerful. We could all do so with some Big Ed love. What? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so Hank agrees to the divorce if she gives him an alibi for the night that Leo Johnson was shot. She refuses this. 
and declares that she would rather. Oh, and this is when he's like, you're her whore. And I'm like, well, I don't think by any stretch you can consider her his whore. They're just in a relationship together. Like, What do, what does he think that Big Ed is getting out of it's, this? It's just a man. He's like gaslighting the fuck well, out of it's her. It's just a man backed into a corner and he's lashing out in any way he can. Yeah. Because yeah, he's losing shit. And for the first time, he there's consequences mm-hmm. to his actions. Um, She declares that she'd rather be Ed's whore than Hank's wife. Twisted that knife. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> um, Okay, so Pete tries to figure out the next move to make against Wyndham Earl, trying to keep all of their pieces on the board. Um, Albert pulls Cooper aside and says that there's even more evidence of Josie's involvement in the shooting of Cooper and in the death of Jonathan, and Harry overhears it. I have a question about the scene where the chessboard is. What is the mask? What's... What's that? Oh, that was the last episode. Last episode, um, L- uh, Wyndham Merle had broken into Cooper's room, left that mask, which is like a death mask, um, on his pillow with a recording saying he knows whatever. He's there's his game. Um, basically, just and it's a it's a mask of Catherine, who was the got it woman, uh, uh, Wyndham's wife and Cooper's lover. That yeah. God. Two Catherine's, no big deal. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say Catherine? You did. Caroline. Caroline. Okay. I didn't think they're double names, but I can't remember. There are a lot of double names in the show, though. Mm-hmm. Your Mikes, your Bobs, your, yeah. Um, Phillips. So Josie applies makeup as she welcomes Andrew into her room. He states that. I. This is, I think, an excellent use of Forsha. This is mm. basically a recreation. I assume it's a recreation. I it's it always goes long enough between seeing the two shots. I've never watched them side by side, but this is almost exactly the the very first shot of the series. Yes, okay, it felt very familiar to me because like I putting the makeup on that 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 weird dog that it like pans up from goes to the mirror and she's just like longingly looking into this mirror while she applies makeup is the very first shot of Twin Peaks, hmm. and I think. That it's just an inch. Uh, I think a really well done foreshadow uh-huh. of we're, we're rounding out Josie's Josie. entire storyline. Mm-hmm. She's about to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's great. I think it's really yeah. clever, and I think it feels like the type of thing that wasn't scripted, and that mm. Leslie Lincoln Glatter made that choice. Oh yeah, of like how, how do we introduce this scene? I assume that that feels like a directorial yeah. choice. I will say one issue I take with this particular scene is that supposedly Josie is in a room with her husband, whom she thought to be dead for a certain amount of time, and they have zero chemistry. Like, they are like two mannequins in that room together. Yeah. <laughs> well, she married <coughs> Excuse me, she married him for money. Yeah, still, but like, they just seemed like strangers. Yeah, but also I feel like that's how Josie is with everybody. Yeah, Josie does not have chemistry with everyone. Where she's just like very helpless and like kind of not just doing a lot of like eyebrow. I feel like acting. yeah, or just dropping dead for no. She's a lot of a lot of war with me. So yeah, so they talk though while you're looking. Okay, he states that despite her involvement in the original plan to murder him, he no longer harbors any hard feelings toward her and implores her to see Eckhart. And then Donna and J- this isn't James' last appearance in this season, is it? 
I am legitimately trying to remember if he comes back. I know there's a postcard that comes later. Mm. He might come back in the finale. Okay. If not, we don't see him again till Firewalk with me. Okay. So Donna and James have a picnic together. Which, let's hope that's cheers to goodbye to James. Oh, goodbye to you. Goodbye, James. I didn't like Hi, James. Bye, James. Oops. To Nikki and Paolo. <laughs> um, so... Donna, so there was this whole Evelyn Marsh storyline. I don't even want to get into it to catch you up. But <laughs> Donna forgives James for his involvement with Evelyn Marsh, requests that he returns to Twin Peaks with her, but he refuses. She tells him to take whatever time he needs before he returns. And he just like deuces out. Get on my bike and go. Oh my God, the worst. Okay, Harry goes to the Blue Pine Lodge. Yes, Pete and Catherine where Josie went. There is a great moment of character at the beginning of this scene. So the scene starts with um, Pete sitting on the chair with this big elaborate contraption on his lap where he's building like fishing lures. Oh, uh-huh. And oh. Catherine is sitting across from him reading a book. And you hear like of Harry at the door. Pete looks down at his lap with like, I'm covered in things, and you're just reading a book on the couch. Yeah. Like, Whatever. <laughs> and so Pete like is slowly unpiling this stuff from his lap to like go get the door because Catherine can't be put out to like go get the door, which I think is just an amazing like little tiny moment of like this is their entire life. Uh-huh. And Pete's like, like, really, you're gonna make me get the door? <laughs> Like you're you're sitting on the couch. All you have on with you is a book. You don't even have to put it down. Like it's just a wonderful we, moment. We let that moment last for so long, and yeah. it, mm-hmm. it was so worth it. It was great. I love it. It was very good. The timing is great. Um, they tell Pete, Catherine. Nope, Catherine. Pete tell Harry that Josie was going to see Thomas Eckert at the Great Northern, and then Harry leaves. Then. Here we go. Eckert enters an elevator where Andrew is waiting for them. This is a lobby, a, please. According to Michael, this is a two-story hotel. I don't know. I, so, regardless, you, they would have to be going at, to the top of the fucking Sears Tower for that to be an okay yeah, you fucking elevator at, ride. You look at the the exteriors of the Great Northern. It's two, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Can't be more than four stories, <laughs> and like. Lobby, please. Like, where else are you going? <laughs> it's a two-story elevator. <laughs> and why are you telling this guy that anyway? He's not it's like not even the bellhop or yeah, whatever. He's not like an elevator attendant. They don't have those anymore. <laughs> it's just Dude. so absurd. And then, and then, of course, they get in. They close the elevator. They press the thing, and then they have this conversation that's at least six minutes long. It's so long. I was on that ride. I didn't think about how long. I was just like, that. he has to be from Richie Rich. Yeah. <laughs> conversation. We were talking about like, damn, they really cast old men that look exactly alike. Yeah, so we were like, another old man. Yeah. Like I have white guy face blindness anyway, but when you have like both Eckert and Andrew in the same elevator, yeah, I was like. Eckert and Packard. And, like, yeah. Like, it helps. Like. 
But they, so this scene is so long. And then it's like, you know what? Elevators are always really long in shows or movies. That's not uncommon. But then they like make a callback to it at the end of it. It's like, well, here's the lobby. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. They were only going down one floor. Like like, I'm still going down to the garage. (laughs) Oh yeah. There's like a deep underground bunker that they have to go to. Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, Packard, oh, Packard stops the elevator. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what? I saw that they had this elevator stop button. There was a close up of the stop button, but it didn't look like he actually hit it. I remember there being a big red button scene. So. Yeah, I remember the button, but it didn't look like he actually hit it. Well, that kind of cracks that wide open, though. <laughs> TwinPeas.Fandom.com says he stopped the elevator, then I believe TwinPeas.Fandom.com. They've never failed us before. (laughs) We have straight up put wrong characters in places. Like, it's an unreliable narrator. Well, the people who wrote this wrote the episodes. Oh, uh uh-huh. It's uh the same uh people. uh Um, TwinPeas.Fandom.com is is a blog held by David Lynch. A lot of people don't know that. He spent a lot of time on it. Surprised he couldn't get just TwinPeas.com, huh? (laughs) Um, Packard stops the elevator, explains how he managed to survive the attempt on his life. He warns Eckert about Josie before he leaves. Cut to the dining room. We have Ben, we have Audrey, we have Jack. Um, they're discussing business dealings, which I sort of fucking God, like in shows when they just like generally talk about like, here's an overview of his business that he does. I'm like, oh, who cares? Nobody cares about like what specific, oh, like does he have an MBA? Tell me more about his business. I mean, the only reason it's relevant here is that that's why he's in town is to do this same thing with the Horn Enterprises or whatever. Right. Um, But what that has to do with the price of eggs, I don't know. (laughs) Ben excuses himself after the chef tries to stab Jerry. <laughs> that's great. That's a, that's a very Twin Peaks moment. Yeah. That is just like, uh, how do we get scene? How do we get him? Uh, I don't know. Someone in the kitchen trying to stab Jerry. Okay, that'll Perfect. work. And it seems logical. Yeah. Someone with someone people have probably tried to stab Jerry a lot. Like, yeah. I like that. I think it's a fun little yeah, over the top moment to get Ben out of the scene. Yeah. Um, Audrey states to Jack that he seems like an intrusion to her family, but asks him where he had been in the intervening years since he last saw Ben. Um, this is when she says, I'm only 18. And he's like, What does so? that have to do with the price of eggs? Yeah. Is that an impression? Yes, it is. I feel like Cheryl Nance has definitely said that before. I was going to say, it is a Kentucky expression if it's anything. Yeah. Please tell me. Kentucky. Great yeah. many important Kentucky. I mean, out of con- in context, I can it makes sense. Like yeah. I understand. Like, what does that have to do with this other random thing? But it's a weird expression. I have a very distinct memory of at some point in college, Leslie comes up to me and she was like, "If I said somebody said wouldn't say boo if their hair was on fire, what would that mean?" And I was like, "Oh, like somebody won't bother you about anything." And she was like, "I just told somebody and they didn't understand it. And I thought it made perfect sense." It is, what does it say, boo, if your pants were on fire? It is the same. That makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah. I get I it. The Kentucky version is pants are on fire. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds like a liar to me. Yeah, in Chicago, more hair catches on fire than pants. So yeah. it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so Audrey excuses herself for her appointment at the Roadhouse. I guess that's the end of Billy Zane. Any closing thoughts on Billy Zane in this episode? Okay, I know he was a creep, but I will say that he was hot. There, I said it. Listen, I was going to say the same. Like, I know his wig looks like straight up garbage, but he's a handsome fellow. And he had a good jacket. I mean, <laughs> good that, jacket. That's, that's his sole purpose in this show. People liked Audrey. Audrey's hot. Let's find another hot person to come in for Audrey. Of an ambiguous age. That is yep. all that he's there for. And he plays the, like, uh, not to be bothered about anything role. Like, yeah. you know, and I feel like most characters are to be bothered by everything. So <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge for a second. Yeah. Um, Donna, Shelley, and Audrey meet at the Roadhouse. They piece together the poem that they're given by Earl. And they show, like, down the bar, Earl is, like, in disguise in his little trucker's cap. Yeah. Earl in the toothpick. Just staring right at him. <laughs> yeah. Not even trying to, like, yeah. sneak in. They're like, who brought us here? And he's like, oh, toothpick. I like, And then seemingly they all just left. Like, well, don't know why we came here. Yeah. yeah we did. Also, why, like, the poem itself... What the hell does that have to do with anything? No, no, like, it's not like this poem meant something or like was, set up a clue for something else. They they all just found each other and went, this is fucking weird. Let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to remember if the poem did mean anything. Like, cause I was like, Oh, I guess I just don't remember what it means. I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like there ends up, there is a connection later. Like Audrey pieces together the poem in a library in a different, when he's wearing a different costume or something, there's something. And I don't remember what in this episode, no later, but it's it's still very forced. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Catherine calls Cooper, um, tells him that Josie is an Eckerd suite. He goes, but before he arrives, Josie shoots Thomas who rises from the bed and dies in front of Cooper. Josie aims her gun at Cooper until Harry arrives, imploring her to put the gun down. Put it down! So good. (laughs) He tried to kill me. Is that what you'll say about me, Josie, that I tried to kill you? What about Jonathan? Did he try to kill you too? He... He was taking me back. Why did you shoot me, Josie? Because you came here. I knew this day was going to come. I'm not going to jail. I can't. Put it down, Josie. Harry. Put it down! Harry, forgive me. I never meant to hurt you. (laughs) the The best is not even the line. It's as soon as the N on down hits and his mouth kind of like... Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> the cake thing and it's amazing yeah it brought us back in so yeah oh that'll do it if nothing else i'll bring you back in i mean i put my phone down i thought he was talking to me it was so powerful <laughs> yeah uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 um 
And then and then comes in the scene that straight up ruined my childhood. So you have kept you've said multiple times that you thought it was from Firewalk with me. No, I didn't. You you said that every time. I I remember very clearly the episode. Trust okay. me. I have the it's, but whatever. It's pretty yeah. you, you said this a couple episodes ago. You mentioned that, and I said, no, it's in, a, it's in an upcoming episode. Okay. Um, so for years, you can't sneak glances at each other. Like You're wrong. Trust me. Okay. I, this, this, this is a, like a memory that is in my head and will forever be. Okay. I, when I was... Middle school to high school, there was about a four-ish year span where I couldn't sleep on my left side. And it's because when I rolled to my left side, it was the edge of my, I looked at the edge of my bed and a little bit of a gap and then the wall, which every time I did that, it looked like the same setup where I was going to see Bob's hand come out from under the bed and crawl over onto the bed and it started out as that. And then it became the memory of the fear. You know what I mean? So like after several weeks, months, whatever, I would roll over and be like, Oh, this is where I always got scared of, but I'm going to, I'm going to just go back to my right side. And I legitimately, because of this scene could not sleep on my left side. And it's because there are so many terrifying scenes with Bob yeah. This is one of the few moments where he just like straight up like with a growl voice of like, Coop, what happened to Josie? And it terrified because I watched this yeah. as a 12 year old when it was on and it ruined me. And I think I watched this episode by myself. Ooh. I watched at least I watched the the Maddie's death Bob killer sequence with my older sister. So we were like kind of in it together, but there was something about this that like the layout of the bed in the wall just fucking broke me. I, I did go right into the dancing dwarf and yeah. like, it's well, first we kind of, we kind of skipped over that Josie stands up. She, um, I thought she was going to shoot her cause I knew she died. I thought she was going to shoot herself and then she just drops dead. And that's when the consensus is that straight up Josie gets scared to death. Oh, you said you thought that Bob was in her. Well, that, that's kind of like the thing where it's like Bob shows up when like something truly terrible has happened. He, he like right. presents like the evil in like Twin Peaks. Yeah. I think, I think it's a little bit flip that around. Okay. My take is flip that around a little bit. And she's so frightened. She, Literally scares herself to death, and okay. then Bob feeds on that. Oh, okay, okay. Comes in is like there's so much fear and everything here that oh my god, I'm back. Like he gets his power again, mm. and she gets relegated and stuck into like her existence in the in the physical world that she's in, which is why she's trapped in a drawer knob as yeah. well, pole, I'm sorry. I, that I have a hard time explaining. That I don't get. I don't understand. I think that's weird. It's like a weird, and they tried to retroactively make sense of that. But I think Bob showing up there in the first place is based on Josie's fear. Mm. I I just like like I don't understand 
whatever the effect that they put on Bob was like, I don't know if they like pushed the film super hard or something, but like there was something about it. Like just it's like very bright light on him. He it's looks, scary. it looks crazy. And like the, the sound is crazy. Like is that what you said? What? What did you say, Jeff? He pushed the film. It's like, it's a process. It's a processing. Oh. Explain it. Like he he looked like he was made of like static or something. Like they, I don't know. The way that they shot it was just terrifying. I think uh, it, it, it just looked it, like unnatural. It's a processing term, but it it'll end up grainier. Yeah, and like yeah, it's a. And it's it's that combined with I think they cut frames out because his movement is really choppy. Yeah, I wonder if they he shot like, like end of, yeah, or or just yeah, it was a really janky like a, a weird shutter speed that like it it yeah. really because it's really choppy looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then every time you see, not every most of the time you see one of these lodge spirits in the real world. There's a huge, harsh spot mm-hmm. on them. I love how Cooper looks when like that spotlight just hits him and he's like yeah. washed out. I love it. And, um, and I just like that Harry runs to the bed and like covers Josie. And then they sort of, I love every time like reality disappears in front of Cooper yeah. and then brings up something else. Like a lot of times it's a giant mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. a horse. Um, but the horse was uh, Sarah Palmer, but yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Well, but anyway, but when, yeah, when but something same, like breaks through from concept, the other side, yeah. um, Harry yeah. cradles his body in his arms. Bob tauntingly appears to Cooper, followed by the man from another place, who does this cool man from another place dancing. Which is the first time I noticed he has shoes that are like corrective. One of them, right? That's it. They're cre- like oh, one of his legs yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is shortened. Yeah. I had never noticed that before this. Um, yeah, that was scary. Him dancing. An appearance in the knob to a drawer next to the bed. Which I don't know. I mean, I you're coming in this semi-blind with only one episode and whatever. Great, Jeff, you've seen this before, but like I still have yet to make real sense of Josie and the doorknob. And why that is, or because it's not something we've established that people get trapped in physical right. Places and, and after this they is die. the first time I think we've ever even seen her in the Great Northern. Yeah. So like, it's not even like, oh, well, this place, like, oh, she's now haunting Blue Pine Lodge, which is where Catherine and Pete and Josie all live. She's gets trapped in a place that she's seemingly Close. not in physically. Yeah. yeah. Seems very random. Yeah, it was weird. Okay, they were like, "What can we use this cool effect on?" It's right. straight on wood. The thing is, like, considering this is, whatever, 1990 or 1991 when this came out. Yeah, February 1991. That effect wasn't that bad. Because the other night, uh, my friend Anne and I watched the 1990 version of The Haunting. Hmm. And the effects were as bad or worse in that movie than they were in this 1991 television show. Yeah, I feel like The Abyss really made this effect for everybody. Uh, Yeah. I've never seen The Abyss. Oh, The Abyss is so good. Very good. I it it's infuriating to me that Cameron won't let any of those movies be released on Blu-ray until he releases the new fucking Avatar movie that no one wants. Which is why I can't watch The Abyss on Blu-ray or and or 4K. True Lies I want to see on. Oh fucking, yeah. I didn't know he was doing that. Uh, 
He, he always I fucking want to watch the abyss so bad, but I don't want to watch one of these terrible fucking transfers of it. You think James Cameron will come through? <laughs> Have you guys seen the movie Scare Me? No. First of all, it's very good. It's on Shutter. It's like two people just. It's a scary movie and dark cabin, and two authors are telling each other stories. It's very good and funny and spooky. Oh, I know. It's interesting. I haven't. Yeah. Chris Red is in it. Yeah, and Aya Cash. Um, but anyway, the beginning, there's like a cab driver and they're talking about writing and she's like, I have a script that I really think James Cameron would like a lot. Like it's <laughs> she just keep, like, it's like clearly a choice, but she keeps referring to him as James Cameron, which I think <laughs> it's the dumbest thing, but I love it. She's quite funny. So I, I want to keep calling him James Cameron. I would recommend that. So yeah, movie I watched, watch the abyss by James Cameron and watch scare me. Featuring a mention of James Cameron. Does that thing. Um, Oh, they, they like straight up can you hear me? Can you hear us? Oh. Yeah. Uh, it looked like you froze. Uh, my copy of The Abyss has one of those like early DVD things where um, they thought that menus were super cool. And yes. so before you can watch the movie, it like there's like a, a water being in the movie and it you're you are the water being and you're like going through like a 3D render of the whole like ship and it it's, I gotta say, like seven minutes long, and you can't press a goddamn button. <laughs> you just sit there and deal with it until it finally reaches the end, and then you can start the movie. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. Do you remember when the first Harry Potter movie came out on DVD and there was like a thing? I might still have the DVD actually, that like to get to special menus, you have to like hit a certain code in uh, the bricks. Yeah. And you couldn't get through, like, like Hagrid yeah. would, like, would. I don't remember, like, how you're supposed to know, but I remember I being like, I just want to get a special features. Please stop making me do that puzzles. Was, <laughs> I remember the the DVD release of This Is Spinal Tap had commentary by the Spinal Tap guys as the Spinal Tap guys. And I remember, like, it came in with, like, it was a black screen, and they're just like they're commentating on it, and it was just like ooh, black. It's like space without the stars, and like <laughs> then the logo starts flying in, and it's really big, and it's like ooh, oh no, that's too big. It's got it's got a small. Nope, that uh, well, uh, well, that's too small, <laughs> and like they're they're going through, and they're like play. Well, are we, are we supposed to play? I didn't I didn't even bring my bass. Oh my like, god! Like, <laughs> the first one is like scene <laughs> if. Why, why would I want to select it if I've already seen it? And they're just going through the menu and like talking over it. And I'm like, every single time I put that disc in, I'm like, I, I, I'm going to wait until this entire thing ends because I love it. Like, yeah. It's just hilarious. Oh, I love and it. And it's, it's not in any of like the Blu-ray stuff, which is a, a shame, but yeah. I've, it's hilarious. I love it. I've heard the commentary, like the actual commentary. I've never seen like the commentary of the menus. That's amazing. That's really right? Cool. It's fantastic. Yeah. We recently watched Best and, of like, Show. I don't comment- think you can find it anywhere. It's not like you can find like menu commentary from Spinal Tap on the DVD on YouTube or whatever. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. Well, gang, that was the end of that episode. We made it through in an hour and 12 minutes, which is a world yeah. record for the four of us. Do you have any other overall thoughts or ideas or all my questions on my note app so appreciate it it was who is the love of agent cooper's life what is the mask who is thomas and who is eckert which i think those are the same person 
I'm a sacred or the same person. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all, all questions were answered. Um, it. Honestly, it made me like, as we were, we're starting, still- I was like, I want to watch Twin Peaks all the way. It's a good fall show. And I'm like, fall is already mostly over. And I missed my opportunity to watch Twin Peaks. Yeah. I've just been wallowing in an existential crisis this fall. So. Mm-hmm. This is a nice break. And watching MasterChef. So we're really (laughs) prioritizing things. Tis the season. Yeah. Um, I was amazed that like they crammed so many characters into this uh, episode. Yeah. Jeff was like, everybody is in it. Like straight up, like everybody was in this episode. Sure. No, you're missing um, Lucy and you hear Lucy's voice. You don't see her. You don't see deputy Andy. Yeah, that's true. There's no Andy. That's true. But, then, but then they pulled back like man from another place and Bob, which we haven't seen in a while. Oh, the other them. thing, like what the entire second season lacks is Sarah Palmer. She's sure. a, and log lady. They're both amazing characters that do not get enough screen time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And major Briggs, but we've got like Hank again. Like no, no one cares about Hank. Yeah. One day I'll watch the second season of twin peaks without Jessica. You just like, you just like would breeze. You're like, here's a two second summary of this episode. We skipped over like all, like when we, when we gave you, we gave you like the last seven or eight episodes mm-hmm. in like two hours. Yes. Yeah. One hour was the finale and one hour was the prior, the prior six, six episodes, episodes, which was like, let's watch some of the Windermere stuff. Some mm-hmm. of the chess stuff that they play. I don't. Even, I don't even know if there's anything else that we really skipped like four episodes completely. Was this episode in that recap? I think we just skipped these episodes completely. Is the, does Twin Peaks like get good like right after this? Because the second season does pick back up. It it it's weird because it picks back up. I think the next episode is my least favorite episode of the series. Oh, cool. Um, but then it starts picking back up, but it's also still very divided. Yeah. Like good stuff starts getting traction and starts going well, but there's also like the Miss Twin Peaks pageant, which is, yeah. but it's also like a central location of the finale. Mm -hmm. And so it's important, but it's watching them like practicing for it and like rehearsing their is very dumb. And, dumb and like the wine tasting and all, there's some dumb stuff, but the, the, the a plot is gets much, much better and really good from here out. Yeah. While they reduce how many subplots there are, mm-hmm. but some of them are still not very good. Well, none of them. They started wrapping up. There's no more Ben in Civil War. There's no more Evelyn and James. There's no more James. There's no more little Nikki. There's no more little Nikki. There's no more of these terrible storylines. Josie is obviously gone. Josie's gone. So we don't care about her or the Thomas Eckert thing or Andrew Packard. Any of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. And it starts focusing on Cooper and Winter Merle and then the introduction of Annie. And the subplot is like Audrey and Jack, which is pretty dumb. Yeah. Well, that's two hot people in love. So who cares if it's dumb? That's fine. Yeah. And then Billy Zane. So mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. That's Jack. That's exactly what it is. It's, 
if it's going to be bad, let's make them fun to watch because we like to look at it. Oh, he wears the best sweater in one of the next episodes. Oh, yeah. That red, black, and white sweater. Oh, Ooh. it's rough stuff. And then he tucks it in. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's not good, though, you guys. Uh, well, Leslie and Jeff, thank you for coming on our podcast. Thanks for doing that really cool and not scary smile at me, Leslie. Um, do you all have any... Jeff, do you want to plug your short film yeah. guy? Uh, yeah, but- yeah, sure. I'm happy. Yes, that's it. Uh, it's recurring. Oh, okay. Never mind. Continue. So, so this is coming out when? This will drop Thursday, so it'll be the day after tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be able to watch it. Yeah, I think it. I I think that it, I'll leave it on uh, Facebook. So I, I do a short film night in Louisville, Kentucky, called Below the Line. It's just kind of like a celebrating and appreciating like local filmmakers and the work that they do. Uh, I'm doing the next one. Tomorrow on Wednesday, so yesterday for people listening. And, and I think that you'll be able to just like search below the line shorts on Facebook. And if you want to send me the link, I can drop it into the notes. Sure. I mean, you don't you don't have to. It's fine, but yeah, <laughs> it should be. I pre-recorded the entire episode, and so the more that I think about it, the more I'm realizing that I just produced like an hour and a half long uh, thing. So. Kind of weird. It, it's been a lot more. It's been a lot more work than doing good, Jeff. You know, but you get a producer credit. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to credit my anything, anything, because uh, I'm a bad producer. Uh, <laughs> stick to, stick to behind the camera. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, camera Jeff, yeah, does camera op for a lot of great movies. What What are your, some of your favorite projects that you work camera on? Uh, so I'm a first first assistant camera on like uh, Art of Self Defense is probably my favorite one that I've worked on. Uh, Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage. Y'all, uh, Mom the and Dad's great. If you haven't seen Mom and Dad, it's that great. Jeff came to us after working with Nick Cage it's was very good. An incredible period of time in our lives. Yeah, uh, and and Mom and Dad is a really fun watch. It is. I, I, also, I yeah. saw Art of Self Defense in the theater. That that's an excellent. Like yeah. indie film, I liked it a lot. Mom and Dad is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's on Hulu. It's been on Hulu for a while. Yeah, both yeah. of them are available pretty easily. Yeah. Leslie became friends with um, Scar. What's his name? Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons and his dog Smudge. Oh my god! He, yeah, he he's he's a kisser and saying goodbye. Jeremy Irons is the dog. He kissed us, uh, Jeremy. Irons. Jeremy. And he definitely kissed us goodbye on our ears. Um, and it was like four. It was, it was like naturally. three, four yeah. on other sides of the ears. <laughs> Lovely man. Honestly, what I wouldn't give to be in like Leslie's pocket while she's at like a random like Cannes Film Festival and just like, hey, Jeremy Irons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he remembers. He hasn't done anything big since then, has he? <laughs> no, I straight up, I, I missed a childhood friend. Watchmen. So, what did you say, Les? I was, I was joking. I know that. Oh. I missed a childhood friend's wedding to meet Jeremy Irons and have him kiss my ears four times. Oh my god, that's he was so your nice. date to, to the wedding, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. No, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm show up with Jeremy Irons. <laughs> I think it sounded like like me and Jeremy hung out. It was a lot of people, but anyway. It's- <laughs> it's I just remember that and that Joey, not Joey Lauren, Joey Lauren Adams used you as like, yeah, had to fix her shoes. Very tiny. 
she just leaned on me to fix her shoe. She didn't say any words to me and just did it. <laughs> Joe and Lauren Adams is pretty tiny too, though, right? Very tiny. But she had to fix her shoe and she needed something to brace. This was the, and only, I was like, this was the only shoulder that was around. <laughs> the broad, broad Leslie Nance shoulders. <laughs> Plus the ground. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, well, do you all want to plug like Twitter or anything, or do you care? Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> no, no, just plug in there. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, thank you uh, so much for joining us on this Tuesday night watching this bad episode of a good show. This isn't a bad episode. This is a. <laughs> I, would, I would call this a slightly above average. Like, if you take the worst episodes and the best episodes, this one's the lower end of the middle. It's all that conversation off my, cause there's some good, there's good stuff. Um, some bad stuff, but just remember all of the Evelyn storyline. Oh yeah. And none of that is in this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> going to come back. I'm just test. saying there's so much terrible stuff and there was nothing in this episode. That's terrible. I think you have Stockholm syndrome for the second season. <laughs> I think you're so deep in it, you can't be objective anymore. No, like, what was terrible in this episode? Billy Zane's entire character. No, he's fine. You had a good jacket. You're going to think, you're going to tell me he's as bad as Little Nicky or Evelyn Marsh and Malcolm. Who's Malcolm? Exactly. Anyway, thank you for coming on. We're getting you out before 10 o'clock your time, which is like yeah. a real favor. I know. Like he just slam jammed his wine. I'm still on this much wine. Um, and Leslie and Jeff, thank you very much. And everybody, we will talk to you next week. Right, Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Bloomke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week. <laughs>